Because the more you get your money working for you, the less you have to work for money. And I'm on the roll. Hello and welcome to this week's episode of The Wow, the podcast that will help you navigate your way through the world of adulthood and the uncontrollable forces of womanhood. I'm Georgina Beasley, your host, and in today's episode, I sit down to chat with financial planner Adele Martin, all about investing our money in the share market. If you enjoyed today's episode, please remember to subscribe, leave a review, share it with your friends, and if you haven't already, come join our community on Instagram at thewowpodcast underscore. Adele, welcome so much to the WOW podcast. I really appreciate you taking the time to come speak to us today. Thank you so much for having me. I start every podcast with the same question, and that is, would you please share a little bit about yourself? Okay, so my name is Adele Martin, and I'm a certified financial advisor and money mentor. And yeah, I um, have a I run a virtual financial planning business, so I can help people right across Australia, um, which is amazing. Um, and it also lets me have team right across Australia as well. So yeah, um, that I have a, a husband that I've been with for nearly twenty years, little childhood sweetheart, oh, beautiful. And I have a uh, eighteen month old. Yeah, and I have an 18-month-old son and one on the way. I'm just over halfway with number two. Oh, my gosh. You live a very busy life between being a boss <laughs> and family and pregnant. That is a lot. Wow. Yeah. I'm really excited to talk about investing with you today because this is a conversation that I feel like as women we're often let out of and we Mm. it's not really something that is openly discussed around women I guess it's something that I've seen men discuss behind closed doors but uh so far as women I haven't been invited to the table to have that conversation so I know money is such an important thing to work out in life and to learn how to grow and foster your money and investing in the share market is obviously one way we can do this. But when it comes to shares, I think I'm speaking on behalf of all ladies out there. We go, what the bloody hell are we meant to do? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And it can be quite overwhelming and it, there's a lot of feelings around just not knowing where to start. So I'm looking forward to deep diving in on all these kind of questions and figuring out what can we do with our money and how we can invest it in shares and hopefully feel a little bit more empowered walking away from this conversation knowing a bit more about the share market and how it functions so to give you the first question straight off the bat can you explain how the share market works yeah great question Uh, I think of the share market as owning a little bit of a business is how I would best describe it. So it's like you're a business owner. You're going to give this business money and then hopefully that business is going to use it wisely to invest and expand the business, make the business more profitable. And so that is the best way to think of the share market is you owning a little piece of a business. Mm -hmm. And what are the pros and cons when it comes to investing in the share market? Like, is is it a safe place to invest or is it something we should still be cautious about? 
Yeah, so safe means different things, obviously, to different people. I don't think anyone's money is 100% safe, even in cash. You know, you've got to think about inflation. Is it actually safe sitting in cash? I mean, lucky in Australia, we do have, you know, the government guarantee on up to 250000 that's sitting in cash. Um, but for me, the share market for me, the reason, the pros of it is the ability, you know, long-term to earn more money. So that for me is, is the big pro, is the ability to earn more money than what you would sitting in the bank. And so... And um, the, the downside is over the short term, the share market can be volatile. I mean, let's let's go back to you know February 2020 um, to March when you know, the coronavirus happened. Um, if you were in the AXX 200, we saw nearly a 40% drop um, in value over that month. So, but we know over the long term, if we if we go back over the last you know um, 10 plus years, that the, the AXX 200 has averaged more than 8% a year. So the over the, the downside is over the short term it can be volatile, which is why when we're we're looking at investing, we're always looking at what is the time frame, when do you need this money? Because over the short term we know it's volatile, but over the long term we know, um, generally speaking, you know, it's gonna um, outperform safety in cash. Um, now I should also say, which I should have done before I started. Everything we're going to talk about today, I'm happy to share as much as possible. I'm a massive fan in, in financial education, um, particularly for women. I think if you outsource that to your partner, you are outsourcing some of the control of your life to them if you outsource this money stuff. Um, um, and so, yeah, I really am massive passionate of um, understanding money and you taking control of your finances. So, but everything we talk about is just general information. I don't know everyone's personal circumstances that are listening, so I can't say, hey, go out and do this. Um, so, yeah, everything we talk about is just general. Um, but, and so, yeah, but with that in mind, yeah, the, the reason why the, the pros and cons of the share market is that over the long term, you know, people, you know, it, it, will, it um, will often return more depending on what you obviously invested in. Um, but the reasons why people invest in, in the share market is not just money. So, yes, they want to earn more, but often I see people wanting to support a particular cause. So, something like renewable energy, or there's something that's actually passionate, you know, that they're actually passionate about. Um, so, for them, it's a way that they can support some of their causes as well. Mm, interesting. I hear the phrase compound interest a lot in the share market. And from what I understand, compound interest is how we grow our money in the share market. But when it comes to understanding what that means, I have no clue. So I'm hoping you could elaborate on that for me. <laughs> yeah. So compound interest, I think it was Albert Einstein that was said of, you know, compound interest is the most powerful force in the universe. So basically it's your money um, making money for you. And then that money gets added to that money and makes money for you. It's that little bits done regularly over time that has the big difference. So um, yeah, that for me is if compound interest is your money making money for you, then that money that it makes is adding to that money and then now you've got even more money to be able to invest. So that's that compounding effect. Mm. So for example then, I know our banks offer us like a certain percentage um, if we you know save a certain goal, but in the share market, it's there's a chance that we could earn more than that and grow our money in larger and faster than just having it in a static bank account is that how the share market works absolutely so you're going to think about you know investing in cash at the moment is earning pretty much not very much um and then you're going to get taxed on that as well so you have to think about that even if you do get 
lucky enough to get 2% at the moment, you you then have to get taxed on that depending on your um, situation. Um, you can think about inflation, so it's, it's not really doing much. Where we think about something like the AXX 200, the top 200 Australian shares, over the last, um, you know, um, decade or so, it's returned more than 8% on average. So if you average out those good and bad years, you know, that's the sort of returns, um, you know, you can get. And people are already invested in shares anyway. They're invested in shares through their superannuation. So often they would have exposure to this anyway in their superannuation. We just don't know what's happening. <laughs> if, yeah. If, yeah. <laughs> it's, so um, we're going to go to some listener questions now. So the first question is from Claire. And Claire would like to know, when is the right time to start investing? Uh, great question. So the right time is always, you know, yesterday. The second best time is today. But there's definitely a few things that you want to get right before you dive in. So firstly, one of the mistakes that I see people make is not having a bit of a, um, a cash buffer, so money in the bank, before they invest. So having your emergency fund set up before you invest I think is essential because I want to paint, you know, a scenario. Let's go back to... You know, February 2020, you put all your money into the share market. You think it's the best thing ever. You put it all in and then COVID happens. The shares drop 40% and then you've lost your job. And then you're like, well, I need that money back because I've got no cash. I've got no buffer. I've lost my job. You then have to take the money out of the share market when it's down. If you take it out when it's down, never has that ability to be able to recover. So that's one of the things I always say is make sure you've got your emergency fund set up um, before you start investing. Same with paying off, if you've got credit card debt, look at what does that credit card cost you? Because chances are, I mean, I had one recently um, with a client, her credit card was 24% interest rate. There is nothing wow. that is going to be, yeah, it's yeah, it, it's going to take 46 years or something to pay it off if she just kept to the minimum of payments. So, yeah. Um if you've got a credit card, there, there is nothing out there that's going to guarantee you a 24% after-tax return. So um, I think for me, paying off that credit card and building up your emergency fund are super important uh, before you go and tackle you know, the, the share market because um, it's all around time frame. When do you actually need this money? And so um, you know, if you were wanted it for a you know, big holiday or a car you were saving up for and you wanted it back within a few years, the share market could be volatile over that time. So time frame is also going to be important as well. So yeah, when should you start investing? It really depends on you know your making sure you've got your emergency fund set up, making sure you, your credit card debt's under control. And if you've got short-term goals, that you've got money set aside for those uh, before you start investing into the share market. Interesting. So no debt and backup funds for those emergency situations well no high interest rate debt so often people have car loans and start investing into the share market but if i've got a credit card and it's 24 percent, how am i going to beat that in the share market guarantee yes you can and we've definitely seen instances where the share market particular shares have done particularly well but is it guaranteed like the 20 paying off your credit card uh no it's not guaranteed so for me if i've got credit card debt i would concentrate on that first other debt you know car loans and stuff like that Yes, yes, you do want to get rid of them, but I would still, I wouldn't leave it because the thing that I've learned is that there's always going to be some reason for you not to invest. 
always. So when you're younger, you don't, you're not earning as much. When and then you're older, you've got a mortgage, and then you've got kids, and you're working part time. There's always some reason not to start. So I am a big fan of. There's a, a great book called The Richest Men in Babylon. So it's a little bit um, wordy, but one of the principles it talks about is saving a percentage of your income and always learning to live off the less amount. Because like, so saving, say, let's just say 10%, 10% goes away into investing. That's long-term. It just always happens. It's an automatic thing that you don't think about the percentage of your income. Because otherwise, there's never going to be a great time to do this. There's always going to be something that comes up uh, and always going to be competing goals. And then the more we delay it, the less chance we have for that compound interest to kick in um, and the more we have to save later. If we start saving earlier, the less we actually have to save. So, yeah, um, yeah, that's why it's, yeah, it, it is, yes, why you've always going to have competing goals and stuff, even starting small, making a percentage of your salary and just being a discipline, something that you set, um, you know, just do, I think can be, you know, super helpful to, to kickstart that investment journey. Mm. And on Claire's question, I actually have a follow-up question about timing and shares. In terms of the economic environment and the world in which we're living in, is there better times to invest? Like, for example, we're in a global pandemic. Economic-wise, the world isn't looking very... Um, good right now it's looking a bit grim Um, is this a good time to be investing in shares or is this a time that we should be you know being very cautious of where we're placing our money yeah so great question I'll just get my crystal ball Um, (laughs) no but this this is the thing that um, actually the share market has um, largely if you go back a couple of weeks ago it had recovered different budget federal budget tonight everything's a bit all over the place at the moment um, but this is why it's a long term thing and this is why one of the strategies we use when investing is something called dollar cost averaging where you don't put all your money in one go because you don't know you don't have a crystal ball to know if this is the high point or this is the low point you just invest small amounts regularly so you might be getting the high or you might be getting the low and so. Yeah, for me, that's one of the strategies that we use because you you don't have predictions around when is a good time and when is not. Um, but if we look at this now, you know, this time now, we think there is still opportunities um, in the share market. So we've seen some places like Afterpay that have done ex- exceptionally well. We think things like Zoom, you know, it's just um, you know where where the the money where the money is now going. Might not be, you know, if you look at you know, um, flight center and things like that, well, maybe they haven't performed, but there's definitely be other ones that have performed, you know, in the share market as well. So, um, and it's really important to note that the share market is different to the economy. The two are actually, you know, just because the economy is down doesn't mean the share market's down. So one has a bit of, and because one is a, a lagging and one is a leading indicator. So what happens is we get the economic data, say, you know, a month ago, that's the last quarter. That's already happened. And so that might be bad, the, you know, the rate of unemployment, but the share market was up. And I kept getting all these questions. Why is the share market up if the, you know, the jobs are down? Because the two are actually not correlated. The share market is based on what we think is going to happen. So it's more of a future indicator, um, but also what people, um, you know, their, their sentiment and how they feel. So it's driven by data and statistics and what they think is going to happen, but also a lot of sentiment goes into it as well. So people, how people just feel. So the economy and share market are actually two different things. 
Okay, interesting. One thing my dad has always taught me with shares, even though it hasn't been something, I'm still yet to really embark on my share journey, but he's always told told me, he goes, peaks and troughs, Georgina, invest in the troughs and sell in the peaks. Yes, very wise, your dad. This is like what I what I say um, during the, um, the when the share market was down. That is the time we actually should buy when it's down. It's like a two for one sale. It's like the Boxing Day sales and getting two pairs of shoes for one. That is what it's like when the share market is down, and that is the time you invest. So go back to the last financial crisis, two thousand eight, um, the GFC. That's when I invested more heavily then. So. I had the emergency fund build up, debt under control. So I made a calculated decision. When everyone else was was um, you know, bailing out, I was buying in because that's that sale time. If you hold it, buy good stuff, it's on sale, you, you get good value. Right. So is maybe, I know you mentioned that the share market's actually doing has quite- Has come back. Yeah, has come yeah. back. If we do, I think- now that we're having this chat and becoming more aware of what's going on and we can actually monitor the share market, the next time there is a little bit more of a collapse, we can make sure that we're prepared to jump on that and actually use that as an opportunity to get into the share market. You definitely could take those down times as a, as a chance to buy. And so it's just hard to predict when they're going to happen. And when it happens, it happens very quickly. And when it turns around, it bounces quickly. So trying to time the share market is near impossible. There's people that the people that do that all day, every day, and they can't get it right. So I have a philosophy where rather than trying to time the market, it's time in the market. So that regularly investing, it's boring, but regularly investing and doing that over the long term, as opposed to trying to pick it, because if you miss, there's a great statistic that says if you miss the top 10 performing days in the share market, you miss out on a very big percentage of the return. So it's those 10 days where should I get in? Should I not get in? What should I do? It's easy to miss that jump. So trying to time it is near impossible. It's time in the market. How long you invested and doing it regularly, that really is the secret to wealth. Right. So instead of waiting, it's probably better just to get on with it and get started. Yeah, you will not remember the, how much you bought your first, you know, a thousand bucks worth of shares for in 20 years' time. So, over the long term, if you bought 500 bucks, 200 bucks a month worth of shares each month regularly for that 10, 20 years, that's what's going to make the difference as opposed to should I go now with this 500 or $5,000 or should I wait? Just drooping it in, you know, is, is yeah, is the, a better way to go. Awesome. So the next question is from Heather and Heather would like to know how much money do you need to start investing? Yeah, that's a great question. One I get all the time. It depends on how you're going to invest because different platforms have different minimums. So as a as a general rule, most of them have a minimum to buy to buy shares on the AXS and most of them have a minimum of $500. Uh, now, the thing though is even though they might have a very low minimum of $500, you have to be careful of what fees they're going to charge you. So what brokerage fees or any other fees, because whilst it might be like, oh, well, it's only, you know, $20 on 200, that's a massive percent of the return if you're going to do that. So it's really important on those smaller amounts, um, you know, to think, you know, to really check that even though it says you can invest in smaller amounts, to check what the fees are because the fees could kill any returns that you're going to make. So, yeah, whilst there is minimums for different platforms, and what I love though is now there's never been a better time to invest than now. Technology has finally caught up and made it so that it's cheaper to invest than ever before. There's lower minimums than ever before, um, but you do still need to check, you know, 
what you know what the fees are going to be because if you're doing small amounts it can really eat up your return Hmm. I think this might be a good leading in question to trading accounts and trading accounts are kind of linked to the fees in which we pay when we are purchasing shares and one of the biggest difficulties I've personally found on trying to get my share journey started is where the hell do what do I do what like what trading account do I go with I mean there's so many out there do I just go to with my bank that's already set up and has a trading platform or do I go with a different one could you shed any advice on that yeah, so it is It is really quite overwhelming. And the, the Australian market makes it more confusing. I think we've got more legislation or something here. It's much simpler in the US than what it is here because we have so many different layers here. So I talked to some of my US financial um, planning buddies and they're like, what have you got? Um, so, yeah, it is confusing. We've got three different ways largely you can invest here. One is what we call a robo-solution. So your um, listeners might be familiar with things like RATS, which was was Acorn previously, um, Stockpot. Basically, these guys do the investing for you. Um, Most of them have pretty minimum um, account account balances to kick them off. Um, So that is you give them the money and they do it for you. So they might invest in index funds. I know we're going to talk about index funds later. They do it for you. So if for some people, that could be a way just to get them started into the market. Um, but you have to do your research because they've all got different fees, they've all got different minimums, they've all got different things that they invest in. The other one, which I think is what you're more talking about, is you taking a little bit more control and ownership and picking the fund yourself. So these are things like, you know, Comsec, NAB Trade, all those sort of ones. So those, what's great about that space is there's constantly new players coming to the market that have really disrupted this industry. So, you know, I think for too long, the banks have been able to charge pretty outrageous broking fees. And now we've got new players that are coming on like SelfWealth and a few of those other players that are making it a lot cheaper. SelfWealth, I think, is $9.95 a trade. Um, so sometimes it's half that of, of what some of the other ones are. And there's even other ones that have come out more recently as well. So, what and so those um, share accounts let you, you know, um, you can pick a share or you can pick an index on there. Um, so yeah, that's another way that you can actually do it is that way. You do have to be careful because not all of them. So at the moment, Self Wealth doesn't allow exposure to international shares. They are going to do it eventually. Um, I think this year, later this year. So yeah, they all have every different trading platform has different fees, different. Um, investment choices, um, yeah, but there's definitely a lot of more players coming into this um, market at the moment. And, yeah, and so it's really great that the prices have started to come down. The thing, though, that I find a little bit um, hard with things like, you know, those trading accounts, it's not super easy for you to automatically invest. So you can't just set up a direct debit from your bank account and automatically buy shares each month. It doesn't work like that. You have to manually do it. And also the brokerage fees each time you have to pay every single time you invest. So if you wanted to do that strategy where you regularly invest, it's a little bit more clunky and it could be expensive because each trade you have to pay. Now you don't have to pay once you hold the shares, you own them, you don't have to pay you know, that brokerage again, but it's something to think about if you're wanting to regularly invest. And that's why the third option um, can sometimes be more popular, which is a managed fund. So a managed fund is like... Um, the platform that gives you access to, you can have, in a managed fund, you can have access to shares, 
you can have access to index funds, um, but you can also have access to fund managers. Now, these fund managers take your money and they go and invest it for you. And so they're buying and selling the, you know, the Australian shares, international shares, or they might have a blend. So you might be a growth fund as an example, which is what maybe most of your listeners supers in. That's a fund manager and they're buying and selling and moving in between international and Aussie, you know, all that sort of stuff. So a managed fund um, gives you access to can give you access to shares and particular fund managers, but one of the advantages it has over the say a trading account is that it's easier to do that regular investing, um, and so you know, it's and you don't have to pay brokerage you know each time you trade for most of them. So, but the downside is they often have a much higher amount to kick them off, um, and sometimes the fees that they charge you know monthly fees and stuff like that you know, can really erode into small account balances. So that's why, you know, there's not a perfect solution for everyone. It depends on everyone's situation. Um, but yeah, so you've got those three. You've got Robo can be really good. It can be a smaller account balance that you need to kick it off and lower fees, but you're really outsourcing the investment responsibility to those guys. You've got the do-it-yourself trading accounts, Comcept, Navtrade, Selfwealth, um, a little bit clunky if you're wanting to do regular investing. Um, but really easy to set up, like super easy to set up and, um, you know, brokerage fees, those have come down significantly. And then you've got the managed fund. The managed fund is, you know, a little bit easier from that administration point of view, but could have some higher, um, you know, account balances and stuff to kick it off. But again, that space is constantly changing. Every week I pick up the fin review, something else has changed in that space, making it even, you know, um, cheaper and lower minimums and stuff like that. So, um, yeah, they're the three options that we have, you know, to people to choose from. So there really isn't one that's a winner. Like they're all available and they're all good depending on your situation. Is that what you're saying? And it's worth doing our individual research. Correct. And based on your situation. So for me personally, I've got the managed fund because I wanted to do that regular investing. And so I also, um, yes, yeah, so for me that worked. For a lot of the clients that um, the last couple of clients we've worked with, they're really interested in those do-it-yourself trading accounts and they've got maybe five grand to kick it off or something like that. And then ad hoc, they're going to invest or they actually don't mind manually doing the trade. Um, they save up in their savings account and, you know, maybe a thousand bucks and then they execute the trade. So it's, it's a little bit more manual, but they're happy with that because um, they've got control over it and yeah but they might be able to do really easily 500 bucks a month without thinking about it. Um, so yeah, there's definitely pros and cons, but the last couple of people have definitely done that more do it yourself sort of option. And yeah, it depends on how much you've got to invest, how time poor you are, you know, that sort of stuff. Okay. Interesting. Now we touched on index funds. Could you please mm. explain the difference between shares, purchasing shares and purchasing index funds? Yeah, you can see all these uh, great jargon that we like to use, you know, EFTs, index, listed investment companies, you know, what are you talking about? Um, yep. <laughs> so when, when we talk about um, an EFT, an exchange traded fund, so um, that is an index that is traded on the stock exchange. So EFT, just for just to make it easier for everyone, just pretend EFT and indexes are the same thing, just for all intensive purposes. It makes it easier just to think of them as the same thing. Um, so what does an index let you do? It lets you have exposure to a whole heap of shares. So as an example, the AXX 200 is the top 200 Australian shares. If you buy the index, so if you go onto the stock exchange and buy the, two, um, the index, the AXX 200 index, you have exposure to 200 of the biggest Australian companies. So 
that is one index. Now you can have indexes for anything. You can have for lots of things, gold, technology, property. You can think of an index. You can, you can have, um, you know, a, a share, you can have exposure to that index. So why is that good um, as opposed to buying an individual share? So let's just say I had $2,000 to invest. I could maybe buy four shares. Maybe I pick, I do my research. Maybe I want to buy a, you know, maybe I think now's a good time to buy, you know, I don't know, um, airlines or something that's low or whatever. And I've done my research. And I've got these four shares. Or you can take that 200 and buy the ASS 200 and have exposure to 200 shares. So if you think think about that, well, yes, in those four shares, I do have the opportunity to to earn more maybe because one of them, if they do really well, then, you know, that's going to earn more. But if one of those or two of those don't go so well, um, then I could have lost, you know, some of my money. Whereas if I've got a more diversified approach and I've got exposure to the AXX 200 and I've got exposure to the top 200 shares, that lets me dilute some of that risk. Because if one or two of those goes bad, it's not the end of the world, I've got 200. So that is one of the benefits of, um, you know, index funds, particularly for smaller balances when people are starting. And I've even um, got some index funds set up for my son. We've got a small amount that gets put away regularly for him. That, for me, is that gives me exposure to a whole heap of shares without me having to own a whole heap of different shares. But also the other alternatives, I just buy a couple of shares and they might be good or they might be bad. Mm. I've heard um, index funds referred to as a way of mitigating your financial risk when entering the share market. So if you don't have a big like sum of money or a pool of money that you can make sure you're investing in multiple different areas in the share market to make sure you're mitigating your risk, that index funds are a safe way to go about it. Is that a good explanation? Yeah, I wouldn't say it's a, it's a it's a safe way. Safe for financial advisors, safe's a dangerous word because that means it's not going to go down. It could, it will still go down. There's there's not a question that if you invest in the ATS two hundred, it will never go down. It will go down. Um, that that's life. Um, so what it does though is it does reduce your risk, and so it it reduces your risk because rather than having because you've got two hundred shares and the chances of all two hundred shares, you know, companies forever going bad. It's pretty slim. So the top 200 Australian shares is, you know, going to be bad forever. We would need a global pandemic for that, wouldn't we? <laughs> Ever. But, but, but forever. Whereas yeah. you, you could legitimately, if you bought four shares, one of those could not come back. One of them, as an example, let's just say you did something, um, let's say invested in something that was uh, medical-based or maybe a coal mine or something. There could be a government law change, a legislation change that means that share is never coming back. So, yeah, definitely that exposure to 200, it does reduce your risk because there's less, like the chances of all 200 going bad is, you know, forever is slim to none. Mm. And what are your top tips when it comes to investing? Great top tips. There's probably um, things to avoid more than anything. Um, So things like, I've seen this recently, there's been a really big spike in people doing trading. So this you know, pandemic more than ever has seen people actually want to take control and want to take ownership. And so wanting to invest more, which I think is great. But I've seen people treat it like a sports bet account. So, you know, they're getting in and out of it. They're picking shares based on the name, based on a hot tip from their mate. Um, and if you want to use shares to entertainment, that's totally cool. But that's not investing, that's gambling. So just treating it like a sports bet account, I think, is one of the things I see people do. Um not understanding the fees and we've already talked about that because you know let's just say you've got you know $20 brokerage fee it doesn't seem like a lot 
if you're only investing $200, that's 10%. So it has to make 10% before you even break even get your money back. So not understanding the impact of fees, I think is another one as well. And so maybe for some people, it might be better to save up a little bit more than to, you know, um, invest and have it all, you know, eaten up in fees. That's one thing. It's just understanding your, your the fees. Um, and the other one is, you know, only investing in Australia. So Australia makes up, you know, 2% of the world market. So, you know, whilst it, I've talked about the ASX 200, we've talked about that being, you know, a great way to be diversified, it's only 2% of the market. And also the top 200 shares in Australia are quite heavily weighted towards banks and, you know, mining. So it's not super diversified. Um, so looking for other opportunities um, in international shares, you know, um, I think is something that sometimes we miss out on. Um, and then, yeah, I think the other thing is, one thing I see people do is thinking that this will somehow, investing in shares will somehow solve all their money problems and so that they don't have to do anything else. But the, there's some fundamental stuff that you have to get right before you do this. One is our emergency fund that we spoke about, credit cards, but also making sure you've got a solid spending plan. So under, you know, making sure you save more than what you spend. Because if you don't do that, this isn't going to help you. Uh, and so you're still going to have be spending more than you know on what you've got coming in. So yeah, I would say getting that foundation stuff right first before you get you know excited about the share market. Because sometimes people think I'll just buy an investment property, I'll just buy shares, and that's going to solve all my problems. It doesn't. Um, if you've got a leaky bucket and it's got a hole in it, um, you know, pouring more water in is just going to make still going to put water at the bottom. And so people sometimes think, well, if I just invest, that's going to solve my money problems. It doesn't because you've got more money. If you're not, if you don't have your budget foundation, you know, stuff right first. You, you're still going to have a hole in your bucket. I would like to know if you're not feeling confident about handling the share market on your own as an individual, who do you go to to seek help? Like, do you go to a broker? Do you go to someone like yourself, Adele, a financial planner? Or where can we go to seek advice and help in getting us started? Great question. First of all, I'm a really big believer in not outsourcing responsibility to someone else. I think that's just a rule for life. With your money, you know, investing, taxation, Whatever. You can't just say, well, somebody else said to do it. Someone else said it, so it's, it's their problem. You actually have to understand it. Uh, and so uh, because if stuff messes up, it's you that has to ultimately wear it. So I would say, firstly, education. Under educate yourself. So, uh, you know, there's books out there like Rich Dad, Poor Dad, Richest Men in Babylon, um, podcast, lots of money podcasts now, you know, my one, the Saving Squad podcast, Read the financial review, read financial papers. So I would say educate yourself first um, would be the first thing I would do. And then you could, yes, you could use um, a broker or yes, you could work with a, a financial advisor. But I think it starts before that. I think you need to educate yourself. Uh, and so you know what questions to ask. You know if someone's, you know, that doesn't sound right. That fee sounds expensive. Because if you don't educate yourself, how do you know if this other person's doing a good job? I would start with that, but don't put it off forever. Get like this is something that um, you know we can do is procrastinate, and we can gather data and gather data, and then and never actually make it make a decision. Give yourself a deadline, otherwise you'll still be researching in a decade's time. Mm, mm, definitely. And can you recommend three reasons why it's worth as young women in today's society investing in the share market? Yeah. So many reasons. Um, because the more you get your money working for you, the less you have to work for money. So and so, I think that's a, a big reason. It gives you choices. 
Uh, and for me, um, we've also seen the problem with relying on your government or employer. If you've got one source of income, one source of wealth, it's dangerous not to have a fallback because we know that COVID or whatever can happen. The government, you know, trying to rely on the government, you know, um, it's just it's it's just um, putting all your control to somebody else. I also think eventually you might get in a relationship or you may not, but if you get in a relationship, money is power, money is control. And if you're just giving that to somebody else to do, you're losing some of that control. So I think it's um, you know, super important, particularly if you know, we're being a bit realist, you know, half marriages or half of relationships end in separation. So you know, you're just outsourcing that to someone else is really dangerous. And I also think the other thing is our option is, um, you know, especially as women, we think about the fact that you know, we've got this gender pay gap. We don't, you know, earn as much as men. We often do work part time while we have kids or have a family or, you know, we have time out of the workforce. And so we need to make sure we, we are investing and in being on top of this stuff because we have to. We, we, we don't um, because of our, you know, because of how you know, the pay gaps and stuff like that. This is one way that we can, you know, um, sort of catch up. And because if we've just, if we're, if we're, and this is um, one of the issues is women as a whole, this is as a whole, um, not everyone's, everyone's individual, but as a whole, they're very, they're, they are more risk adverse. And so um, that puts us behind again. So I think, you know, if you just had the money sitting in cash and it's not doing very much, you know, chances are, you know, it's not earning much, you're going to pay tax on it and then it's going to get eaten by inflation. And then you think about the gender pay gap and then you think about, you know, the fact that you have time out of the workforce for families, you're just always, you know, behind. And so, yeah, I think that is one of the reasons why, particularly for women, it's worth, you know, educating yourself and investing. Um, so you do have that more control, more choices. Uh, and so that's what investing gives you. Absolutely. Could you recommend a motto or quote that you live by when it comes to investing? Just start. So just just start. It doesn't have to be a massive amount. Just start. So um, I think we think we have to have something perfect. So especially as when we think everything has to be perfect, there's no such thing as perfect. We're after progress, not perfection. And so if we've done enough research, just start um, because it you know we can put this off forever. Lastly, Adele, could you please share with me some information about your business that you run and how we can all follow you? Yeah, so I specialize in helping people in their 20s, 30s, and 40s uh, maximize their money so they can do more more of what they love. Now, more of what they love looks different for everyone. For some people, that's working less. For some people, that's starting their own business. I've helped several clients do that, which is super exciting. Um, for some people, it's you know having that dream house. So, But maximizing their money lets them have those more choices. So how they can um, you know, want to know more about me, if they've um, not, I haven't scared them off today and they want to know more about me. Um, they can come nerd out with me in our free Facebook community, The Saving Squad. I've also got a podcast as well, The Saving Squad, which complements the group really well. So that's probably the best place to get started. And they can find both those at adelmartin.com. If they go there, they'll find all about our, our Saving Squad. And I think that can be, especially inside the Facebook community, in the unit section, we've got um, some great resources, savings challenges, and a whole lot of stuff that happens um, for free inside that money community. So yeah, that would be a great place if they want to know more. Fantastic. Well, thank you so much for coming on and chatting all things shares with us today. I'm feeling very empowered to go ahead and just just start, like you said. Excellent. You're most welcome. Happy to help.
Thank you so much for tuning in to today's episode. I hope you feel empowered to go and begin your journey in the share market. I will be releasing new episodes every Tuesday, so make sure you hit subscribe or follow and tune in next week. Otherwise, come follow us on Instagram at the wow podcast underscore for more updates. Lastly, just a friendly reminder that the information shared in this podcast is general advice only and does not take into account your personal situation or needs. Where appropriate, please consult a professional first. I know, I know, I know.